The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Today, I have Kathy Chester with me, and some of you guys might actually know who she is. I would consider her an icon in the MS community, but I'm sure that a lot of my listeners may not know. So I'm just going to share a few things about Kathy before I have her join us because she is a seriously impressive woman. Kathy was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1986 and has been advocating for the MS community ever since. She's a certified health health advocate and patient leader, and has also created an award-winning blog, which is titled An Empowered Spirit to Empower, Inspire, and Educate the MS Community. Kathy was a regular contributor for several MS health websites and has served as a consultant on patient panels for many pharmaceutical and health companies. Her unique story has been featured in industry newsletters in magazines that include Katie Couric's Wake Up Call, Reader's Digest, Health.com, and Women's Day, and her writing has appeared in various media outlets that include the Huffington Post, the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, Multiple Sclerosis Association of America, Everyday Health, Patients Like Me, Better After 50, and so many more. Kathy has also been featured in several videos and on the radio for PBS, Harvard Radio, Health.com, Healthline, and Woe Network. So as you can tell, Kathy is just such an amazing advocate for the MS community. I am so excited to have her here with us today. On today's episode, Kathy and I talk about MS resources and how they've changed over the last 30 years. We also talk about mental health and aging with MS. I just know for sure that you are going to feel inspired and empowered by the end of our talk today. So thank you for tuning in and let's get started. Kathy, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, thank you, Gretchen. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Yeah, me too. So I've got a bunch of questions for you, but before we dive into that, I would love to ask you a question from my interview deck to help my listeners get to know you a little bit more. Is that okay with you? Fire away. All right. So just going to shuffle. All right. And your question is, who is someone you'd like to trade places with for a day? Oh my goodness. Um, that's a great question. I, I, I think it would be someone like Maria Shriver because I have such uh, respect for her and what she does. She doesn't, she could easily not do anything, but she um, really puts herself out there. She's one of those women who are out there to change the world. And she uh, interviews really interesting guests. I subscribe to her email. She her point of view is very spiritual, but very grounded. 
And I think that, you know, since I focus on one thing in, with the MS community, it, she covers it all for everyone. And of course, her work with Alzheimer's because of her mom is extraordinary. And then Special Olympics too, because of her mom. Wow, I love that. That's very yeah. cool. <laughs> Nice. All right. So I've got a bunch of questions for you and I truly think of you as an icon in the MS community. I think you're just so good at advocating and just also being real and sharing what you're going through. So before we get into any specific topics, can you give our listeners a background on your story? Sure. Well, a lot of uh, people's faces drop sometimes when I say this, but I was I was diagnosed at a time before there was internet and before there were any MS medications. So it was, I call it the dark ages because it was very scary and lonely and I didn't know anyone else who had MS and our local library was just terrible. They had no information. So here I was, I wasn't walking well and I needed a cane and I needed um, hand controls on my car and I um, I had trouble with my hands and I was tired beyond comprehension all the time. And the advice back then was uh, to quit my job, give up my apartment, move back home with my parents and call the doctor if I have a flare and they'll give me steroids. So that was then, this is now, right? But right then I knew that I wanted to do more and I wasn't, I, I did do all those things, I'll admit, but I didn't just sit by. And so my diagnosis was a way of showing me not only my inner strength, but my drive to help others never have to go through what I went through. And that was the beginning of my MS, very long MS journey. I just, um, I just passed my 35 year mark. Uh, yeah, and I think that's so inspiring, too, because you could have very easily 35 years ago decided, okay, you know, whatever they tell me, they're the doctors, this is the truth. And I think it takes a lot of internal confidence that you can do this. Like there are things that you can do. You are still in control. And I think you have just done an amazing job at that. So wow. yeah. going going back to 35 years ago, so they told you, okay, quit your job, stop driving, you know, do all these things. This is not going to get any better. How soon after hearing that, did you start to implement some healthy practices and, and really starting to advocate for other things that you do to manage your MS? Well, the first thing I did for, for uh, reasons now unknown to me, I decided to lead a support group. I knew nothing about MS. I didn't know anybody, but I led one of the support groups for National MS Society, and I had speakers come in, and it was a really successful group. I, I had no right to be doing it, but I did it anyway. But it was this, I didn't stay for long because it was a little above my head. But that started me off into advocating and, and, and writing letters to the editor and writing articles and, and being interviewed for uh, you know, uh, books that I, I'm thinking back now because I was dating someone when I was diagnosed. Actually, he brought me to my MRI along with my dad and he, he married me. So, <laughs> so we've been married since 1988. So that's a nice ending. But um, so he was part of whatever I did, basically, you know, 
Um, the other side of what I want to say in starting off in the, the, the journey of advocating is that they, the uh, medical community did not embrace, um, to my knowledge, did not embrace any complementary medicine. I asked about getting a prescription for yoga because I was reading up on it or for acupuncture and I was basically left in the face. And so what I did was I went to the bookstore and I heard about Dr. Andrew Weil and I read his uh, uh, books and articles and I was so impressed and I started following his suggestions and it empowered me in a way that nobody else has in that way because MS was so new to me. And uh, actually just short story is years later, I went to hear him speak and I waited in a very long line to get his, him to sign one of his books. And I told him about it, which was extraordinary. And he looked up, he put his pen down and he says, well, I must've done something right because you're doing really well. So anyway, I, I think that it was really important just to follow my intuition back then. And I didn't have the guidance that I should have in the medical community. And my intuition told me that there were other things that could help me. And, and, and I was right. It turned out to be right. And it helped me in, um, and you're very familiar with this, in walking and in balance and, and just also spiritually feeling very uh, mindful, which was not talked about back then, but mindful of everything I did, everything I ate, taking walks, you know, being active. And so as the medical community and as things started to come into play, that became more accepted. And it was seven years until the first MS medics uh, MS medication came out, the uh, beta serum came out, I think in 1993. So it was quite a gap where I had to really utilize these things. I used to do the old Jane Fonda workout, uh, <laughs> the first one. I'm really dating myself now, but um, all those things really helped. And I, I tell people now to really follow your gut, your gut, your intuition, most times is right on the money. If you don't feel right about something, right on the money. Absolutely. And you know, one thing you mentioned in the beginning too, the world was so different when you were first diagnosed versus now. Now there's tons of different online resources and I imagine it's easier to find information, but what are your thoughts on finding information that is credible versus something that you might steer people away from? Yeah, well, that's a great question because there are uh, unfortunately people that will prey on our frailties and our vulnerability. And that unfortunately is part of the human condition. But I think that to stay with, and I tell people to stay with the MS organizations, all of them, you know, MSS, MSF, MSAA, can do. I don't want to leave anybody out, but there's a lot of really good ones to rely on, not just for finding the research and the answers, but for the programs that they offer. And so I would say to, to stick with those organizations and to find really credible uh, websites that, and, and again, I don't want to start naming names, but there are really, uh, I find when I'm doing research that I rely on them the most 
that um, are, are proven. And with the internet, you can really look up some of these things to see the reliability, to check the links that are offered and see if they're proven, see if the research is really there and see if whoever is behind the research that it's, that it's, uh, 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 that it's credible and look up people's credentials. That's really important. It's easy to say that you have such and such um, expertise in something, but before you hop on and pay money and join a membership or do whatever, it's really important to go into people's backgrounds and, and see where they came from, where did they get this um, expertise or their knowledge, what are the degrees on, and it's, it's not just life experience, if they're offering something medical or some proven cure or proven method, you must do your, your due diligence, it's very important. I hate seeing anybody um, that, that puts a lot of money into something that's not proven and uh, it kind of drives me crazy. <laughs> Yeah, those are great tips. So yeah. one thing that I think is really important, and I know you do as well, is mental health. And of course, this is a disease that can really take a toll on your body physically, but also mentally. And then we add in the pandemic and just life factors as well. So I guess my question would be, how is your journey mentally been with multiple sclerosis in addition to physically and and how did that change for you during the pandemic yeah a great question that it has evolved um, for me in the beginning i was always a very positive person and i think that 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 served me well in my diagnosis because I, I i felt like i needed to be strong for my parents and as a parent myself now I, I can imagine what they went through with my diagnosis. And so I was just really strong and I held everything in. I held my emotions in and I just um, um, went along with it. And as day to day to day, I just, um, I always loved to write. So I would write in a journal, which was very helpful. But as the years went on, um, I found myself, um, as you know, little progression, the anxiety would start to creep in. And I did have a short bout of depression because believe it or not, I had kidney stones and gallstones at the same time. And um, yeah, that was fun. And my hormones went whoop and my MS kicked in and I was having trouble walking again. I needed my cane again, which I had for a long time. So that's when I learned that there is no shame in reaching out for help not only in the community where you can talk to like-minded people who you know that you could trust, but I am a firm believer in, in seeking professional help, either through a, a, a psychologist, um, you know, somebody that's well-versed in um, either MS or just, you know, mental, mental um, issues, but also you could go to your clergy if you're more comfortable with that or somebody of that ilk. I'm a firm believer in that because I go sporadically to this day because I find that anxiety still creeps up as I age and the pandemic, um, because I got COVID and because my uh, MS flared and uh, some other issues that decided to crop up, you know, gut issues and all the, the fun comorbidities that we so often accumulate mental health is in crisis right now, I would say. 
And um, we have to remove that stigma of mental illness, remove it, get rid of it. There's no shame in it. Let's talk, let's open our communication. Let's really discuss these things and um, get it out in the open. There's nothing like communicating with someone else, even if it's your best friend, your spouse or your partner, whoever it is. Uh, and I, yeah, you're right. I'm very concerned about uh, mental wellness. I think that we are all in this together, but reach out and get the help that you need. Yeah. I agree. I will say um, I've been to therapy on two separate occasions. And the first time I walked into her office and I said, hey, I'm not necessarily going through anything. I don't have any problems. I just want to learn more about myself. And this specific therapist was so great. And we worked together for months and uncovered so many things that have helped me in so many different ways. And here I was thinking, I've got nothing to work through. Just help me learn about myself. And so that was really great. And then there was this other time that I went to actually work through something. And I, I totally agree with you. I think if anything, it's just nice getting your thoughts out, you know, whether that's to a therapist or, or someone, a family member, a friend, um, but it can be so, so helpful mentally and the way we feel mentally manifests physically too. So just yeah. to, you know, release all of that. Yeah, and I think my holding in the emotions at the beginning of my journey really started to accumulate into the anxiety and it was not healthy for me to do that and it's not healthy for anybody. You just feel like you just feel like you're uh, emptying a load when you're you're just cleansing yourself, you're getting rid of the toxins when you just talk about it. It feels so good, you know, and that's where cognitive behavioral therapy can come into into play where, where you replace the bad thoughts with the good thoughts. And, and I've really worked hard on that um, and with meditation and things like that, you know, walking in nature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so many different strategies and I agree. I think mental illness, mental wellness does have this stigma, but it can be as simple as, as you just said, just stand outside. If you don't have the physical abilities to go for a walk, just stand in nature and get the fresh air. Right. So. Sit on a park bench or, or whatever and use all of your senses, you know, breathe in the air, you know, hear the birds, look around you. It's, it, for me, that is the best medicine. When I was in that downfall um, that I mentioned before, I called my best friend who's known me since I was three. And I said, I don't know what to do. I really just don't know how to get better. And she said, it's the answer is simple, nature. It's what we grew up in because we lived in a very, an area with a lot of woods. Yeah. And that, it, it turned out to be true. I love that. It's so crazy how whatever you're doing in nature, again, if it's walk, sitting on a bench, it's, it feels completely different if your mind is thinking about everything that's going on versus focusing on the birds, the temperature, the breeze, it just, it's the same activity, but it feels mentally so, so different. It does. And um, in the winter here in New Jersey, my, my husband just found these YouTube videos of, um, I think it's called the traveling bird feeder. And in Norwegian, there's some Norwegian area and, and Cornell here in the States, they bring these trays of nuts and seeds and they put them in the middle of the woods and they have a webcam set up and you watch the birds and the squirrels 
uh, uh, stopping by, you hear the sounds. And now I use that as background noise when I'm doing my work because I can hear the birds, which you don't hear in the wintertime here. It's, it really, really helps. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. So kind of changing gears here, as you've mentioned, you've had MS for 35 years. So you are essentially aging with MS. And I'm curious as to how your own personal experience has been and, and what things you've had to change along the way, your exercise, your diet, your mindfulness strategies. Is that different specifically with aging, not, not just the newness of technology nowadays and with what neurologists are now recommending, but how has that looked for you over time? Well, you know, like I said, everything evolves and, and everything presents itself in a different way with each passing decade for me. So, you know, I did a lot of different exercises when I was younger than I do now. Now I basically just walk flat, accessible paths. Um, I can't, unfortunately, walk more than a mile, slow mile at a time. But it changes with, with each year. It's really evolved. You know, my meditation practice has changed now that I found um, Insight Timer, the free one on my, on my cell phone that's chock full of meditations and courses and things. And I really enjoy that. I have, I never had issues um, climbing stairs before where now uh, it's, it's uh, uh, quite difficult for me to get upstairs. I hold on the railing and it's a very slow go. So incrementally, my MS has, has changed. Um, I did have my cognition tested for the second time. I should have done it more often in 35 years, but because I didn't know if I was having issues because of MS or because of aging, but I did pretty well on the tests or just little things that I need to tweak, but I like to work my brain out more and more because I can see, you know, um, not remembering, well, names I've never been good at, but words and things, a word search and things. So I really try to give my, my brain a, a good workout whenever I can with crossword puzzles and reading and things like that. And um, so that's all evolved. I, I've had to tweak my sleep schedules. I don't, I'm not a good sleeper. And so I try to walk. I try not to take a nap, but I fail miserably at that because two o'clock, my body really shuts down. I'm looking at the clock. It's two o'clock now, but my body basically shuts down and I, and I just need to at least rest if not taking that. So that's evolved too. The key I think with MS is, um, has a lot to do with perspective and to keep seeing yourself not as doing badly, just as doing the best that you can within your abilities and never questioning that that you're not doing well. I think it's just changing that positive mindset, which is always a work in progress for all of us because we want to do more, but never thinking that we're not enough for what we do. If we're in bed all day, one day, well, that's just the way it is. We're taking care of us. It's our self-care plan, you know, and that's okay. And so the next day you'll try again. But I think that if you come to terms with that, with your MS, and that's been a work in progress for me because in the beginning of my journey, I had a very fast paced job and now I can't even imagine doing that, but that's okay. 
because that's enough. You know, I did, I, I am enough exactly as I am and we all are. And so that's what I mean that even though I'm telling my story, everybody's story is going to be different, but everybody can still accept themselves exactly as they are because I, I, I just think we have two choices and that's the better choice. I agree. And it's the choice that will serve you. Choosing that thought will allow you to be more likely to stay on track when you can with the healthy habits that you've created with nutrition, even just drinking more water, exercise, mindfulness, whereas the other thought definitely won't serve you. And you can go into a downward spiral mentally and physically. And that's exactly it. Like any stress, it, it's yeah. going to affect you no matter what. So a few years ago, I got SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and it's very painful. It's when there's too much bacteria in your small intestine. So um, I needed to go to a gastroenterologist and blah, blah, blah. So the bottom line is I have to remove gluten, sugar, and dairy from my diet which isn't a bad thing. It's not easy to do. But so my diet has, that was one of the part, one of, part of your first initial questions was I used to eat pretty much what I wanted until now where I'm very careful with my diet because I want to feel well. I don't want gut related issues. I'm going to a pelvic floor therapist. I'm doing whatever I can to make my gut happy because we all know about the studies between the gut microbiome and MS. And if you don't feel well, you're not going to do well. And there's the stress. And then does it affect your MS? Well, who knows? So you need to take care of yourself according to whatever your dietary needs are, but it's also healthy too, to be off sugar and to be off dairy. Uh, Gluten is up to the individual because that's a little more difficult, but it's doable. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those are great tips. My last question for you is I want to get your thoughts on, again, with aging with MS, you know, I'm sure that you agree with me with this, but typically if you're 50 years of age or older, you are not included in studies. You're, it's almost as if you're overlooked in many different ways. What has your experience been in that regard? And also, is there anything that you feel we can do to advocate for care for anyone with MS, not just people under the age of 50? You are the first person to ask me that question because this is really something that I'm very concerned about and something that I've been talking and writing about. And I'm doing work with different pharmaceutical companies and I always talk up the aging factor because who drew the line in the sand that says that we're older chronologically? No. So yes, I have felt that. I have felt that I haven't qualified for many initiatives that I apply for. I know when I put that age button, you know, between 55 and 65 or whatever it is, that I will be excluded. I've really felt that. And I've heard from patients who say that their doctors tell them at a certain point that they don't need to go on medication anymore because they're older, which is maddening to me because 
who's to say who needs it and who doesn't? I mean, if it were me and my doctor told me that I'd change doctors. I think that we all should be treated equally and fairly and be uh, included, you know, and it's really a club of when you see the marketing strategies of some of the companies that are gearing it towards younger population, which is all good and all true. And most people are young when they're diagnosed. And, and for me, I love just everybody to be included, but I think that we should be part of that equation. There's no reason why we shouldn't be. We're still vibrant, we're still valuable. We offer expertise and knowledge. And why not, why exclude me? So, so I, think, uh, I think, you know, I took a step back for a while. Uh, I have a blog and I took a step back of what do I want to do now? I, I, I updated my blog and what do I want to focus on now? And one of the things is, is aging and to get the word out there that, that, that this shouldn't be, that we should all be included. We're all part of the MS community together. So that, that's the answer to that question. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like this talk has been so inspiring and empowering, but you did mention your award-winning blog. Can you share with us where people can find it and also what type of content they can expect to see there? Sure. So it's called An Empowered Spirit. It's anempoweredspirit.com. And I just celebrated my 10th year last year. Um, I started it as a way to just express myself about midlife and about MS, but then I narrowed it down to more of MS, offering different um, topical things that were happening in the day, um, like the uh, ADA or, um, you know, medications. But I also like to include the emotional aspect, the mental health aspect the um, spiritual aspect, the, uh, you know, and, and, and also just what I've been going through and then trying to weave in a way of how what I've been through would help someone else. I have interviews with people um, and in and out of the MS community. And so now I um, was fortunate enough to get a grant last year to update my blog. And I just started it again in December and I'm planning to do different things to reach wider audiences, have more interviews and see where that goes and offer more of the quality content. I think content will always be king. I think that quality content is what attracts uh, readers. And I just want to do it to benefit the, the uh, MS community to empower, inspire and educate them. And that's always my mission for the rest of my life. Well, I think you've done exactly that on this podcast episode and also a huge congratulations for such a successful blog. I think it's a, an amazing resource and I love that it's all encompassing. You can find lots of different ways to champion your life with MS and different avenues. So, oh my gosh, this has been so insightful. Thank you so much again for sharing your expertise with your own journey with MS and just the things you've learned along the way. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Gretchen. I loved being here and I love seeing what you're doing. You're one of the young superstars to me that is just rising at a very fast pace because you offer such wonderful information that everybody can be a part of. And I, I just loved that you asked me to be here. Thank you. Oh, thank you. 
thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you loved this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.